Hey, Sound Life Church, it is Susie and Caleb sitting here another week, another great message and time in the Word together, and um, we've been talking about these paradoxes of Christmas and how things that don't really make sense and uh, Jesus makes them all make sense for us. Yeah. And uh, this week we talked about how God became human and how absurd that is, and I think I really liked your kind of point of like, man, we've gotten used to this idea that Jesus is human, Mm -hmm. but that idea that Jesus is God, that's harder for us to come to terms with. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we probably all, there's a part of that that is the intention, right? That's the intention Mm -hmm. of Jesus, that God revealed himself to us, that that's that John, the word, the revelation of God became flesh, took on human form. And, um, you know, uh, Colossians, Hebrews, uh, both speak to like the significance of God revealing himself to us in human form, as well as many other, I'm sure, passages in the New Testament I'm not thinking of. So there is an element, and I I never want to minimize the fact that God humbled himself Mm -hmm. to become human so that we could understand him better, so that we could have a human picture that we could kind of start to wrap our heads around. And that's the reason why so many people first come to Jesus because of the compelling picture in the gospels of the human Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it's interesting too, when you read some of the stories of, uh, you know, even atheist scholars that have come to Christ, it's often reading the gospels and being enamored with the human Jesus that is the starting point, but it leads them when they're thinking and, and approaching it with, with um, intellectual integrity, they come to the conclusion, this Jesus isn't just human. Right. He's God too. Yeah. And now I'm responsible to respond to him as God, not just as a guy in history. And that's the part that I think we sometimes minimize, probably yeah. by no intention, uh, but it's a, it's a tendency that mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. Why do you think... That that is. Why do you think we tend to do that? Uh, you know, sometimes it's just this, the laziness if we don't think any deeper, mm-hmm. right? We just, we like, we like quick soundbite quotes. So we're like, what soundbite quote of Jesus can I hijack and mm-hmm. use and not really acknowledge where he's coming from or, or what context he said it in? Um, we're, we're a culture that's guilty of that. Um I think we're a little myopic. We're a little kind of self-focused and think in terms of what makes sense to us every day. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't even fault people for mm-hmm. that. I think it's just, it's too easy to go through life and not think any deeper yeah. than what's right in front of us. Yeah. And so. I, I think like that's culture's message to us that Jesus was just human too, right? Yeah. Like culture doesn't want Jesus to be God. Like we, we want to be our own gods. And so to recognize Jesus as God, recognize what he calls us to recognize, um, yeah, the reality of God's sacrifice, like all of those things have such big implications for our lives that, um, yeah, I think we can just accept what everyone else is telling us too. Yeah, that's a great point that our culture and everyone's culture is a sort of like atmosphere that you breathe in and don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what elements of the smog of your culture mm-hmm. are you breathing in that you don't even realize? Every culture has it totally. and every culture has its brokenness and its, its beauty. 
Um, but one of the broken things in our culture that's part of all of Western culture, kind of European, North American culture, is the results of the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. kind of this age of so-called reason that wants to explain everything with, with science and wants to rule out God. Um, and, and we don't realize it, but we've grown up in a culture that has bought into that, that God is not a part of the story. Right. That um, everything is about facts and science, uh, maybe some human feelings, because we can't we can't uh, refuse to acknowledge those things. But God is not a part of it, and so we we fail to realize that that is an exception to human civilization and human history. It's not the norm. Uh, but it's interesting to think about the fact that if you even right now took a vote of the entire. A human population of the world, right? So, uh, billions of people, mm-hmm. uh, and and the vote was on: is there a god or a divine power that we have some level of interaction with or responsibility to, or is there not? Mm-hmm. Most of Western civilization would say, ah, maybe not. Or we're not so sure. We don't we don't know that we're responsible mm-hmm. to this divine power or yeah. have to acknowledge or interact with that divine power. But that side of that vote would lose by a landslide to the billions of people from various religions and cultures mm-hmm. that live with a sense that there is a divine power that they are in some way responsible to. Mm-hmm. And if you go back a few hundred years in history, there are even fewer people prior to the Enlightenment, um, that believed that humanity existed uh, without any divine power involved. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of the product of this thought experiment in humanity um, that's only really lasted since the 1700s. It's a pretty small piece of human history. And so we're the products of this this thought experiment that is, what if we imagined life without any God, and what would that look like? And I wonder if we if we looked at the results of that thought experiment, would we say that it's working out really well? Mm-hmm. Would we say that human civilization has improved because we kicked God out of it? Right. Um, you know, human technology continues to get better throughout history, uh, but that Enlightenment-based culture is also the one that's responsible for the greatest world wars. Mm-hmm. It's also the one that's responsible for having technology that's not always shared for the benefit of the whole world. Yeah. Um, it's the culture that's responsible for some of the, the most major moves of sexual divergence and, mm-hmm. and um, you, you know, relational failure, family failure. So some things that are really damaging both individually and globally come back to this culture that has kicked God out of it. And yet we grow up every day in a culture that says, yeah, God's not necessarily a part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we exist in that culture and we're not getting away from it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As, uh, you know, there's lots of verses about, hey, we know that we're in a in a battle. Yeah. But we know we're on the winning side, too. We know that when we do take seriously Jesus's claims to be God and our responsibility as Christians to follow, like, we're on the winning side. Absolutely. We don't have to be scared of that. But what does that mean for us, you know, when we have these underlying tensions that we may not even recognize? We we 
are individualistic. Like we we have that battle of like, man, do can I really do I really have to obey God? Do yeah. I really have to do all these things that Jesus said? Yeah. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head of we have to recognize the tendencies of a culture that that doesn't live as if we are responsible to God. Mm-hmm. And I think to use maybe some practical examples um, that I've seen as a pastor, it's, some of them are ones that I've made the mistakes on, but it really comes down to when you make when you make major decisions, uh, are you making those decisions in light of what God wants most, mm-hmm. of what God says is best, or are you making those decisions in light of what you feel is best and what you want most? Yeah. And I think what I what I see often in our culture is that people say, "Yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe there's a God. I believe there's a higher power." But where the rubber fails to meet the road on that, where our our kind of secular humanism is exposed, mm-hmm. is that though we intellectually believe in Jesus, when it comes to life impacting decisions, we don't make those decisions like we're accountable to him. Right. For instance, we say, man, I believe in God. But even though his word says that sex is supposed to wait till marriage, I feel like I'm in love with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. So I'm having sex with them, but I still believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just don't do what he says because yeah. I'm not accountable to him. That's what essentially what we're saying. Maybe a less, you know, a less... Uh, clearly sinful one that I think we all slip into is how we use our money. Yeah. Um, I think we would say, man, I believe in Jesus, but right now I'm saving to buy a house. So tithing isn't an option. Mm -hmm. Being generous isn't an option. Giving to missions, giving to the poor, not an option because I'm saving to buy a house. What are we saying with that? We're saying that we've bought into an American culture that says, you are not financially legitimate until you own a home. Mm-hmm. So you have to leverage everything. You have to put yeah. your kids in childcare 60 hours a week, work as many hours as you can, make as much money as you can until you own that home, and then you are financially legitimate in mm-hmm. our eyes. Well, that is a horrible slavery that yeah. we live under, mm-hmm. particularly with, with housing costs and interest rates and the way that our, our economy is at this moment. Um, that's a horrible slavery that I see so many so many people struggling with. Um, and so if we're willing to put aside the priorities of God every time mm-hmm. they conflict with our cultural priorities, we are living as as functional atheists Absolutely. Um, saying that we believe in Jesus. And I think that unfortunately, the American church has been full of functional atheists that give Jesus lip service, but we're not actually living under his authority. Absolutely. Um, and those are just, you know, there's a, a sexual example, a financial example, because sex and money are two of the gods of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and really what our culture wants to say is, you can believe in God if, if you want, but you're only accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. You are not obligated to God. You're actually not obligated to your fellow man You are only obligated to yourself. Make yourself happy. And interestingly, that's the opposite of what Jesus said. He said, you're supposed to love God with everything you've got, and you're supposed to love your fellow man Mm -hmm. at least as well as you love yourself. Um, And so I think that we, we show our cards by where we, where we put our money, where we, what decisions we make in our relationships 
when we prioritize things over obedience to Jesus, Jesus made it really simple. I mean, you read John 14 through 17, one of the most intimate uh, pictures of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He unapologetically says, if you actually love me, you're going to obey me. Mm-hmm. You're going to obey my word. And he doesn't say it oppressively. Yeah. He doesn't say it like a dictator. He says it with all of the humility of a God who became human. Mm-hmm. But he is still God. Yeah. And when we say, Jesus, we love you, but we don't obey his word, Jesus is kind of gently calling our bluff, saying, mm-hmm. you don't actually love me. Yeah. And I think the world calls our bluff, too. I think totally. those, those are things that people see and they can either be a tremendous witness to the world or they can be a tremendous witness against like what we claim to do. We claim to know Jesus who like radically changes everything about us sure. in our lives. And if we're like holding back in certain areas, it just damages our witness yeah. to Jesus. Well, I, you, you've heard this too, Susie, but I've heard people who are unsaved saying, "Yeah, so you believe that if I don't, know about Jesus that I'm going to hell. Yes. But you haven't shared Jesus with me because mm-hmm. you're afraid of crossing some cultural social boundary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you don't love me. Yeah. You've allowed a social barrier to get in the way of me going to heaven instead of hell. You don't really love me. Now, they're usually saying that because they're saying, you don't believe this either. Right. They're trying to prove a point. But they do have a point there of when we put the mission to save souls so far down on our priority list that that will allow some social awkwardness to just talk us out of having a conversation, building a relationship, inviting someone to church, offering to pray for a coworker. Those are social boundary issues mm-hmm. that are... are um, overcoming our spiritual priority to love people in the most powerful way possible, which is to minister the life-changing and life-saving truth of Jesus to them. And so um, obviously there's nuances to that. I don't mean to oversimplify some complex issues because I realize that um, finances Mm -hmm. are usually a complex issue. And I don't fault anyone for needing to grow in their obedience Mm -hmm. to Jesus. I I didn't grow up uh, with an, a concept of tithing and, mm-hmm. and giving. I had to grow into that. Yeah. Um, and, and similarly, when it comes to sharing your faith, that's not normal in our culture. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're following Jesus for the first time, it takes some getting used to yeah. and it takes some thinking and some nuance. Mm-hmm. So all of that is okay. I think it's absolutely okay to grow into some of these things, but are you growing in the right direction? Yeah. Or are you just saying, nope, too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to do what my culture tells me to do. And I yeah. think that's the difference. Um, I had a professor once uh, kind of illustrate, like, what does a saved life look like? And he simply put, um, you know, Jesus on one corner of a whiteboard and put a dot in the middle. And he drew an arrow uh, from the dot towards Jesus. And he drew an mm-hmm. arrow um, from the dot to the opposite bottom left corner. And he just said, salvation often results in a trajectory in your life. Is your trajectory becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world? Or is your trajectory, yeah, Jesus is on my whiteboard, but I'm still moving more and more towards the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's something we have to be honest about in our own lives 
and in our relationship with the Lord. And it, I, to, to bring it all back, I think it really does come down to these massive biblical concepts of do we fear or, mm-hmm. or more maybe more accurately in English language, do we revere, yeah. do we respect, do we honor above ourselves God? Mm-hmm. Or do we not? Do we honor ourselves equal to God? Yeah. The New Testament application of that really Old Testament concept of fear of the Lord is, do you trust Jesus mm-hmm. to be the leader of your life? Do you trust his word in scripture and his spirit in your ever everyday life? Do you trust him to lead you yeah. even when it means you're going to have to not go with the grain of culture? And that's that's, I think, what it comes down to is, do you fear the Lord? Mm-hmm. And if you fear the Lord, there is blessing in that beyond anything your culture can give you. Do you trust Jesus to lead you every day? And if you do, you'll obey him and there will be a blessing there that no amount of social acceptance mm-hmm. or um, economic success mm-hmm. or financial security or relational security can ever offer you. Yeah. And I think that's where I want us to live as if Jesus is God, mm-hmm. not just a good guy in history. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so good. I think that's, you know, why we should trust God is because he has the perspective that we don't. He knows what is best for us. He totally. can see all of time. He can see all of history. He knows and he has good plans for his children. So we can trust him because of that. Yeah. And I think even a challenge for People who maybe, you know, you've walked with God for a while, maybe these bigger struggles, you've kind of like, you've gotten those figured out is that idea that you kind of said in the beginning, well, are you still, you know, thinking about God, about Jesus as God, as, you know, you make small decisions in your life. Like, are you still inviting the Holy Spirit into those? Yeah. Like the tiniest decision, like, you know, Holy Spirit, be with me today. Like guide me like yeah. give me an opportunity to share my faith like just those little prayers even for for people who are seasoned christians absolutely. we all have room to grow in this absolutely yeah i mean honestly Susie, i think about i get afraid because uh, i know my own human tendency i get afraid of getting so comfortable yeah. being a pastor that I'm not willing to follow God's call if he calls me some other place mm-hmm. or some other way. Yeah. And and that's because I love the church that we get to serve. Um, I love what I get to do. Does it kick my butt some weeks? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but, you know, I, I check in with the Lord and, and I think, Lord, if there's ever a day that you need to call me to some forgotten place on the mission field, like, I am your servant. Mm-hmm. And... I just wonder what the world would be like if every Christian yeah. lived that way. Now, yeah. I don't function every day that way. Mm-hmm. Some days I function like an atheist, yeah. and I hate to admit that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. But some days I go about my business as if God is not in charge of my life. I yeah. am. Yeah. And uh, the more that we submit to Jesus, I'm confident of two things. The more joyful we will be. Absolutely. Because when Jesus is in charge, it is the best. Mm-hmm. I'm not as... I'm not as stressed about the outcomes of everything. Um, so the quality of life improves when we when we trust and follow Jesus and obey him and let him be in charge. But then not only does the quality of life increase, so does the impact. Yeah. Right? Like when Jesus is in charge, we end up living for the right things. Mm-hmm. We end up living for purposes that matter. We don't just um, 
to to reference a, a parable in scripture. We don't just fill our barns with things that are going to belong to someone yeah. else after we die, but we live for a legacy that will be with us for eternity. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the only things I regret in my life are the moments when I, uh, lived as a functional atheist when I should have known better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moments I'm proudest of in my life are when I, sacrificially obeyed Jesus when it was really hard. And I look back now, most of the time I get to see some real fruit there. And even the ones where I'm not sure what the fruit was, I'm pretty confident Jesus Jesus did it did something there. So um, anyways, that's what I want. I want that joy and peace mm-hmm. for everyone that listens to this that only comes through really following, submitting, surrendering um, to Jesus. And I want that legacy for them when we celebrate together in eternity. Look what, look what Jesus did through us. Look what happened in our lives because we trusted and obeyed. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have a host of examples in Scripture of people who didn't even get to see it. They mm-hmm. didn't even get to see their reward on this earth. But, um, you know, Hebrews 13 says, yeah. like, or Hebrews 11 says, you know, their reward they were too good for this world. Like they, <laughs> their reward that. is there still. So yes. we want to be those people and absolutely and sound life as you go this week. Just remember, you know, remember all these things of trust in the Lord and and that you're representing Him wherever you go. And we want to be faithful to be those people. And we'll see you next week.